anticipate what it will be like to be parents, to raise a child, to be in charge of someone else's life. And we wonder what life will hold for our bundle of joy. And we dream about the potential of their life. Pregnancy is so filled with anticipation that we have come to use the term pregnant to describe anything that is bursting with possibility. We say that a new career is pregnant with potential or a season of engagement is pregnant with anticipation for the wedding. And in many ways, our lives are just like this, filled with anticipation. Who will I marry? How many kids will we have? Will I succeed in my career? Will my kids turn out to be all right as adults? How many grandkids will they give me? What's right around the corner? Is it good times or struggle? For many, the anticipation is is too uncertain. You don't like surprises when it comes to your life, and so you answer the anticipation by making your own future. No No need to leave your fate up to anyone but yourself, and so you choose your own spouse, you get your career, you start down the road of making money and being successful. After all, we've been told that that's the point of the story that you find yourself in, to make money and be successful. And the good life is perfectly within your grasp. You are smart enough, you're talented enough, you're good enough, and you're good-looking enough. And then when life happens, the anticipation is killed. And the anticipation of what you could be simply reminds you of what you aren't. When life happens... You see, the things that should have been so easy to achieve, instead of being easily within your grasp, seem to be just outside of your grasp. Sure, some of the pieces have come together. You have a great wife and you have good kids, but you haven't quite reached the level of success that you thought you should. Or, or maybe you're successful, but your kids are a mess. And so you just keep on striving. You just keep on trying harder and harder. More work for more money. But more work means less time with the family. And so now your relationships are strained. Your wife seems like a stranger and, and you can't can't get along with your teenage daughter, but when you put your family first, your work suffers. No matter what you try, you can't accomplish all that you thought would be so easy to grasp in this life. You can't put all of the pieces together. So now you're divorced. Maybe not literally, but emotionally. You aren't the soulmates that you once were. Now it seems like you're just roommates. The deepest conversations that you have with your spouse center on strategies on how to make the mortgage payment this month. Your kids aren't the angel that you thought they were. In fact, they're getting into a lot of trouble. And you didn't get that raise that you bet the entire house on. Your life is a mess. Maybe not totally a mess, but, but some things are just out of whack. You aren't sure if, if you're just disappointed or if there's actually something deeper going on. And, 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 but what you do know is that you're trying, and you're trying harder and harder to make things just a little bit better. And, and part of your effort is through goals and, and, and aspirations and your own effort and, and, and New Year's resolutions and all of these things to help improve yourself. But, but let's just be honest. Part of the ways that you're just trying to make things better is you're just trying to bury the trouble. And you aren't sure how you got here, but now you're thinking about an affair or you're addicted to those images and you're ho- or you're holding on to that secret. Let's be honest, you'd be embarrassed 
if he found out how much you spent at the mall. And you'd be ashamed if she found out about that investment that went bad. Despite your confident showing, you may seem like a failure. And your friends just can't know that. Or or, or maybe this morning none of this is true. Maybe you feel like you've just got it made. Maybe you feel like you've reached all the success in the world. And you feel like that you've done it through your own hard work. You've earned what you have. It is yours and no one can take it from you. And so maybe you don't have any of the signs of outward brokenness that grips you. But you've been gripped by a much more evil dragon. The closed fist of greed. In success... And in brokenness, it just seems like there is an enemy of your life. There is. Your story, the story of your life has an enemy. And your life has an enemy because every single story has a villain. Frodo must fight the dark forces of Mordor. Neo must fight Agent Smith. Batman must defeat Bane and the League of Shadows. Even Cinderella has to overcome her evil stepmother. Every story has a villain, but it's because the story that we find ourselves in, the story that your life is a part of, also has an enemy. The woman in Revelation chapter 12 is pregnant, and right there in the middle of her whole world of anticipation is is a dragon, ready, willing, and wanting to throw things off. And we're told explicitly later on in the passage that was read this morning that the dragon is Satan. Let me say to something to you that may come as a bit of a shock, but, but let me say this to you. Everything in your life is not exactly as God intends it. There is an enemy of your life. Broken relationships, sin, disease, apathy, disappointment, deception, greed, mass shootings, these things belong. To the enemy. We look at the news from Connecticut this week and we think, how broken and how sick is the world that we live in? But let me tell you something this morning our world is broken because we are broken people. Our world is broken because it's filled with broken people. And so often what used to be the expectation of the potential of our, our, of our innocence, the expectation of our potential of our innocence has now been turned to a strong desire to return to that innocence through our brokenness, through the sin in the world. We've lost our innocence and we desire so deeply to get it back, but we can't get there ourselves. We need someone to rescue us from this mess. We need a baby who is a king. We need a child who is divine. We need a rescuer. Rescue has arrived. The baby king was born. The divine child came. And instead of being swept away according to the enemy's plan, he was swept up to heaven where he now sits at the right hand of God the Father. The best efforts, the greatest strategy, and all the power in the world and of the dragon could not stop the birth 
of Jesus. The word of God who was once enthroned in all the heavens has now become Emmanuel. God with us. It means a lot to show up. To be present. The best moments of our lives are not defined by the event itself, but by the people we share it with. It wasn't just that you were the star of that game. It was that your parents were there to see it and celebrate with you. It wasn't just your master's degree per se. It was that your spouse had had supported you all the way through it and was there to celebrate with you at its completion. It wasn't your wedding. It was who you were marrying. (laughs) And it wasn't just the birth of your baby. It was that he was there to experience it with you. And it was the people that came to see you in the hospital afterward to, to share in that special moment. You see, presence means a lot. And this is just as true for the worst moments of our lives. Those that were, were with you and there to support you after that breakup. And, and the ones who were there to cry with you after they had passed away. It was the people that surrounded you with love when you found out that you just couldn't have a baby. Our best moments are defined by who is there. And whether or not we survive our worst moments is determined by those who walk with us through the tragedy. It is my joy to tell you today that God is present in your life. You may keep him at arm's length. You may deny his presence. You may shake your fist at God in the midst of tragedy and say, how could you or where are you? You may ask all sorts of questions, but that does not change the truth that God, who was once enthroned in all of heaven, has now become God with us. God is present in your life in the best moments. He's there celebrating with you. And in your worst moments, The moments where you're tempted to say, how could God allow this? The moments where you're tempted to say, where are you now, God? I would encourage you today that in those moments, he's right there beside you, walking through the tragedy with you. This is the truth of Christmas. God showed up. God intervened. He got involved in our lives. He pursued you. And he did it not as one who looks down on your broken condition in pity. But he he entered our, our, our space and time. He entered our human condition as one who took on all the brokenness of the human condition. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who was tempted in every way. Just as you and I are. Just as we are and yet he did not sin. Let me tell you today, the great truth of Christmas, the great truth of God with us is that God is familiar with your suffering, the disappointment, the broken relationships, the loved ones who we have lost along the way, the loneliness, the betrayal. Jesus experienced all of those things. And at the same time, the moments of joy and excitement, and laughter, and celebration. Jesus also experienced those things. The difference is this. We can only experience the presence of our friends and family when they are there in the room. Sure, technology can help us to stay connected, but let me tell you, a video call is not the same as an embrace. And unlike our friends and family, though, 
Emmanuel, God with us, means that we can experience the presence of God continually in our lives. In other words, Jesus, the truth of Christmas, is not that Jesus just showed up as an observer of your life, as someone who sort of sits in the clouds and says, oh, isn't that nice? Isn't that great? Or isn't that too bad? Jesus did not show up as an observer of your life. He showed up to get involved, to get his hands dirty. He showed up as a rescuer. And he showed up because he wants relationship with you. Yes, you, not someone else, not that person who has everything figured out, not the person who puts on a good face, and not the person who has a high morality. You, all of us, Jesus desires relationship with all of us in all of our brokenness, our insecurity, our greed, our selfishness. These things do not disqualify us from the love of God. They are the reason that he came. Did you hear that this morning? The truth of Christmas is this. God showed up. In in, in all of our brokenness, our world is broken because we're brokenness. We struggle with insecurity and greed and, and confidence and all of these things. The brokenness that you experience does not disqualify you from the love of God. But your brokenness is precisely the reason that Jesus decided to show up. And the reality is, Jesus experienced desire just like you and I. But for him, desire did not turn into greed. Jesus walked through hardship just like you and I, but it didn't lead him to cynicism. He was betrayed just like some of you have been, but it didn't lead him to revenge. You see, the very things that would typically drive us to sin simply displayed the faithfulness of our rescuer. He lived a life that now serves as a great example for you and I. So may we learn to be compassionate as Jesus was. May we learn to go the extra mile. May we have bold and generous hearts. May we offer forgiveness freely. May we learn to love radically. The baby showing up changes everything. And it gives us a cause for celebration. And so this morning, let's celebrate God with us together. Your life isn't as clean as a Christmas carol. Joy to the world, but woe is me. I've got a mortgage payment coming up. My heart is broken. I failed the test, and now my life is spiraling into chaos. I feel like a failure. I don't know what it takes to be a good dad or a good wife or husband, mom, student, daughter, son. I mean, the life that Jesus lived is so important. His presence changes everything. I mean, if he weren't present in this gathering this morning, we'd be gathering in vain. His life gives us an example of how we should live. And his teachings show us what the kingdom of God is really like. So soak it all in. Then you do your best to follow the rules. You try really hard to follow the example that Jesus has given to us. And yet, you don't seem changed. 
You do your best and, and you have this model, this, this thing to aspire to, the life of Jesus, the generosity, the mercy, the forgiveness, all of these things that Jesus portrays for us and teaches us about. And so we do our best and, and, and we strive for that. And yet, if you're anything like me, you fall short. You try your best to live like Jesus, but it's pretty soon that you realize that it's a mark that is too high for you to achieve. Sure, his life serves as a good example, but let's be honest. I mean, doesn't it also kind of set us up for failure? I'm not Jesus. I never will be. And I'll bet that some of you have said that. You've given the Christian thing a try. You've done the gospel thing. You've, you've done the church thing. You've done your best. And, and you try to be a good citizen. You try to have high morality. You do all of these things. And yet, you, you find yourselves continually falling short. And so you just say, well, it's a standard too high to achieve. I've set myself up for failure. And so we just let go of the whole thing. You aren't him. Neither am I. And we can't be. Which is why his birth isn't the end of the story. You see, this God-man, the the Word made flesh, didn't just live faithfully to show you and I how we should live. He lived faithfully so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for you and I. He lived a perfect life so that he could die a sacrificial death and fill the gap between the person that you want to be and you know that you should be and the person That you actually are. You see he died because of our sinful ways. Our sinful ways lead to death. The the punishment of sin is death. If you allow, allow sin to have its way fully in our lives. Then we will die. Not just spiritually. Not just physically. But ultimately die. And that's precisely what the dragon wants. He wants you to adopt such dreadful ways of life that lead ultimately to death. Jesus lived a faithful life and then he took that sin upon himself. He allowed the result of that sin to reach its full conclusion in his life. And that meant that his life ended in death. But then he defeated death through the resurrection. You see, we can't have Christmas without Easter. Whenever we talk about the birth of Christ, we have to quickly move to his life, his death, and his resurrection. For in his resurrection, that is where the victory is won. Death, the ultimate enemy, the thing that the Satan would want more in your life than anything else. For you to adopt these sinful and dreadful and and ways of life that lead to death. That way of life, that sin has been defeated in Jesus as he took that sin upon himself and then defeated it through the resurrection. And that is what this story that we've been reading this morning in the book of Revelation is all about. The child is born despite all the best efforts of the enemy to stop it. And then the child is swept up into heaven to the throne of God. This is the quickest gospel narrative in all of scripture. Jesus was born and now he is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I where he sits as the victor. What a message of hope. 
What a cause of celebration. Man, Christmas ought not to be this time where we're so busy that we'll just do our best to get through it. But Christmas ought to be a time of the year where we soak in the joy of the gospel, the joy of Jesus born, the joy of God made flesh, the joy of God with us. What a message of hope. What a cause for celebration. That all the brokenness and the sin that you and I are so prone to has been defeated in Jesus. That we may now have confidence and victory in Christ. A lot of people see Christians, and as we recognize our brokenness, a lot of people will say, well, the Christian faith is just about talking about how bad you are. Absolutely not. It's about talking about how we were in need of a rescue and how confident we can be now that we have been saved by Christ and His grace and His mercy. But you know what? The life, the birth, life, Death and resurrection of Jesus, even that isn't the end of the story. The scripture that was just read says, I hope you were listening carefully, but it says there was a war in heaven. The enemy, the 12-headed dragon, the the Satan is, is cast out of heaven and he's hurled down to earth where he causes, where he chases the woman and all of her offspring, which are the people of God. This book is highly symbolic. And so we need to understand what are these symbols talking about? Satan is, is de- destroyed, thrown out of heaven, hurled down to earth where he chases and pursues the woman and all of her offspring, which are the people of God. It's you and I. And this is why your life isn't as clean as a Christmas carol. This is why when you come to church, there's a bit of a disconnect between the worship songs that we sing and the the desire of our heart and then the lives that we live Monday through Saturday. The reason is because there's an enemy of your life. The enemy, though defeated, is still pursuing you. And so this Christmas season, I want you to realize two things. Number one, your life has an enemy. You live with these two realities in your life, that God is chasing you with his love, with his grace, with his mercy, with his message of hope, with his life-giving message of the kingdom of God that has, that has arrived and is on its way in all of its fullness. And yet at the same time, that God is chasing us. The dragon is enticing us. And he's enticing you with his promises of the good life. But his message is ultimately filled with lies. You see, this symbolic story points us to a very important truth. The enemy wants to steal your joy. Where where the message of Christmas would, would be one that would cause us to celebrate, would cause us to have all kinds of joy. That is the desire of the enemy to steal that joy. He wants to rob you of your hope. He wants you to believe his lies. He wants to he wants you to consider yourself a failure. When you feel like a failure, he wants you to reinforce that message. He celebrates your broken heart. You have a broken heart this morning from whatever it was, whatever in this world can cause broken hearts. You have a broken heart this morning, the enemy is right now scheming and strategizing on how to turn that broken heart into bitterness so that you may have a heart that was once bitter that was once broken and is now bitter. He wants you to embrace a mindset of scarcity that I don't have much that God hasn't given me much so that we grip what we have with a tight grip and it leads to a heart of greed. The enemy wants you to think less of people 
to put yourself on a pedestal because that leads you to selfishness. And when we experience brokenness and when we are wounded in this life, which is inevitable, all of us will experience brokenness. All of us will be wounded at some level. There are messages that the enemy wants to attach to those wounds and have you believe. Your parents got divorced. Now the enemy wants you to believe that it was your fault. He wants you to believe that that healthy long-term relationships don't exist anymore. He wants you to believe that you aren't worth it. But in the midst of that brokenness, in the midst of that wound, God also has a message. And his message is that his mercy can heal all brokenness. That you can break the cycle of divorce in your family. That you can even take the most tragic situation and bring life out of it. Maybe you had a coach or a parent or a teacher tell you, you suck Now is your struggle all these years later with insecurity. The the enemy would have you believe that. You should be over it. It wasn't that big of a deal, but you're not over it. And it haunts you and it affects you. And the enemy wants you to believe that you do suck. That you aren't worthy of being loved. That you don't have what it takes. But in that midst of that brokenness, God also has a message. God's message is that nothing can separate you from the great love of God. That you don't have to measure up to some standard that the world sets up as success. You just need to be the person that God created you to be. The enemy is trying to take all of the wounds in our broken world and attach a lie to to that wound, to that brokenness that will lead us down a road that steals our joy, steals our confidence, steals our faith. And the only thing that can combat a lie is the truth. And so this morning, in the midst of realizing that your life has an enemy, I would encourage you to stand on the truth of God. Don't believe the lies. So the first thing that I want you to realize is the enemy, that you have an enemy in your life. The second thing I want you to realize is that the enemy is already defeated. The enemy is present in your life, but defeated. There was war in heaven, the scripture says, and the, the, the enemy lost. This chapter gives us precisely how that victory was won. It says, through the blood of the Lamb, those who will call upon the name of Jesus has, have become victorious over the enemy through the blood of the Lamb. The baby king, the baby king who was born at Christmas became the sacrificial lamb of God. He took on our brokenness and he let the whole, he let the whole power of the enemy fall upon him and it killed him. But the grave couldn't hold the king. Jesus defeated all the plans of the enemy, including death itself through his resurrection. The king of the world has defeated the enemy of your life. The only thing the enemy can now do is steal the victory that is already yours in Christ. I know this is a nice Christmas service and we sang some Christmas carols together and that was all very fine and good. But I want you to realize the gravity of what I'm telling you this morning. That the only thing the enemy can do in your life is steal the victory that is already yours in Christ. Because while our life does have an enemy, that enemy is defeated. And what that means for you is that you don't have to believe his lies. You can live with a peace in the middle of your heartbreak. You can embrace a mindset of abundance rather than a mindset of scarcity, regardless of your taxable income. 
You can experience wholeness and authenticity in relationships. You can find intimacy that lasts. There was a war in heaven, and the victory belongs to Christ and his people. We need a rescuer. And the rescuer has come. His name is Jesus. Our response is worship. And worship at its core is allegiance. We've had a great celebration here this morning. But some of you have a split allegiance in your life. You may do a little bit of church thing over here. You may do no church thing over here. You, you may have, have rejected the God thing altogether. And yet this morning, as we've experienced this retelling of the Christmas story together, the Holy Spirit has been stirring in your heart, inviting you into relationship with Him. When I talked about brokenness, you were aware of your own brokenness. When I talked about a rescuer, you said, that's what I need. And then as, as I was talking through all of these things, God is working in your life. He's speaking in your heart, bringing you to a point where He's inviting you into the relationship that he desires so deeply for you. You know, there were all kinds of privileges of the word of God just remaining in the heavenly realm. And yet when he looked upon our lives, he knew that we needed rescue. So he gave all of that up to take on the fullness of our broken human condition that he might live a life that would serve as a great example, but that he might die a death that would free us to live as he intends us to. Thanks for listening to the Emmaus Road Podcast. We hope this message has been encouraging to you. If you'd like to support the ministry of Emmaus Road, you can do so online. Just visit theroadfc.org and click Online Giving.